How many of you guys are in some kind of sport? How many of you guys do track or cross country? So, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think I've said this before. I don't understand the desire to get out and run. Thank you. I deserve it. Yeah, so a couple months ago, uh, y'all know Becky, post the weight, one of our leaders, helps with the band. She, she runs with my neighbor. One of the, she's a, my neighbor's a teacher at Wood County Christian, but she runs with her. She was training for the half marathon. I think she did it recently and finished it, right? So while she was, she would come over all the time and run with my neighbor. And I, I just texted her one time and said, I see your car out in front of my house. Like, what are you doing here? Like, I knew it was her car. I just didn't know she was running with my neighbor. So she told me what she was doing. I said, what's Tony doing, her husband? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, he can come over to my house. So he and I will just sit there on the couch, watch TV, and wish that we were in better shape while you guys get out and actually do something. You know, that's more of my kind of style. I have zero desire to get out and run. I did it once, like six months ago. That was it. <laughs> Didn't like it. My knees hurt, my ankles hurt, my feet hurt. I'm like, I'm done. There's better ways of getting in shape. I could just sit here and wish I would improve, but ain't going to do them any good, is it? Right? Last week, we started off with uh, Philippians chapter 3, and what we said last week was we, we, we had this desire. The questions that we need to answer is what could be and what should be. Those are the two questions we asked. What could our life be or what should our life be like? And that's what we're striving to. We never want to look backwards. If we look backwards, we're talking about what used to be. And I remember I told you guys that I, <clears throat> playing soccer, I, I don't want to go back to that life. I don't want to go back to what I was like when I was your guys' age. I wouldn't give anything to go back to that. I would give anything to go where I am now or go forward. That's where I want to look. We need to answer the questions, what could be and what should be. So we read Philippians chapter 3, and that's where we're going to start again. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of... Of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is saying here in the first few couple of verses, he says, I know what my goal is. I know what I'm looking forward to. See, when Becky was running the, I wish she was here, because when she, when she was planning for that half marathon, she knew what her goal was. All you guys who run, you guys who have a cross-country people, you guys know what, you, what your goal time that you want to beat, right? You kind of have a set time that you want to beat, so whether it's a personal record, you guys are track, you guys, what's your goal? To beat the person next to you, right? Or to set a personal record. Again, there ain't no personal records in my life. Like, this is, in my running stages, there's no personal records. It's just, if I can finish, that's more or less where I am in my life right now. But when you guys set forth, that's what your goal is. You want to beat that. You want to get across that finish line first. You want to beat the person next to you. You want to set the best time. You want to set your personal record. Paul says, what was his goal? Do you guys remember what we said last week? He wants to know who? He wants to know Christ be found in Christ, and be made like who? Christ. That was his three goals. He said everything else according to that goal is rubbish. He says it's garbage. Some translations say it's dog crap. That's the message. It says dog dung, but I like dog crap. I got in trouble last week for saying crap like five times. I'm just going to throw it in there two more times. Verse three, actually. He says everything, according to, everything against knowing who Christ Jesus is is rubbish. 
So his ultimate goal was that he wants to be, meet Christ. He wants to be made like him. That's where he wanted to go with his life. So he sets out. That's his plan. And he says in verse 12, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he says... I press on toward that goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. He sets out in motion what his goal was. He wants to know Christ, be made like Christ. And everything that he has, he puts towards that. He strains forward towards that. That's what we're going to talk about this tonight. This idea, what does it mean to strain for something? What does it mean to lean into something? What does it mean to chase after something, to pursue something? Because in life, you guys pursue a lot of different things. You guys pursue, how many of you always have a good pursuit of good grades? Anybody? You guys pursue good grades? I hope you guys all raise your hands. You guys pursue a good life, right? Right? You know, when you guys start dating in 25 years, when you guys start dating, you guys are going to be pursuing somebody, right? That's what you're doing. When I was, right before I started dating Katie in, in college, uh, we were part of a campus ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ at Marshall. And all the girls, it was really weird. All at once, she was excluded, thank God. Because all the girls, all at once, they were going through this, like, dating series on, on Thursday nights. They were like, what should dating look like? What should love look like? And all the girls were like, I just want a man to pursue me and just woo me and just cherish me. And I'm like, girl, you better do something. Like, I'm not the only one pursuing, right? It's not, you're not Rapunzel waiting for me to come up to your tower and pull you out, right? Like, you better put in an effort, too. And I met somebody who actually is willing to put in an effort. Yeah, she puts in a big effort for me, you know? Yeah. Give her applause. No. But see, you guys, you start pursuing things in life. You get to realize what, you're, what, are you, what are you pursuing. You start asking a question. And then when you look at what you're pursuing, you ask, is it worth pursuing? See, when you're dating, hopefully all the married people can say this too. When you're, mar- when you're dating the person you think you're going to marry, you're pursuing that person. Hopefully, at the time you get married, you realize they're worth the pursuit. And hopefully, you also don't realize that once you're married, it's not over. Like, you're still pursuing your spouse, hopefully, right? You know, I still pursue Katie, even though we've been married for three and a half years. Why? Because this ain't it. Hopefully, one day I'll be even a better husband. Hopefully, one day she'll be even a better wife. Hopefully, one day I'll be a good cook. You know, maybe, I don't know. But we continually pursue each other. We continually pursue who? More importantly, Christ. We have to realize in life that we are always pursuing something. And Paul here is talking about pursuing Jesus and what that looks like. Uh, in 1923, I brought up the running thing earlier. In 1923, a man named Eric Liddell. Does that mean anything to anybody? Any movie buffs know who Eric Liddell is? Who's Eric Liddell, Teresa? Okay, she didn't want to talk. He was a runner for the country of Scotland. And in the race, the 440 between Scotland and France, he takes off running, and around the first turn... He falls down to the ground. He gets pushed. Now, let me just ask you guys. You runners, you sprinters, Lily, you did the 200, right? If you fall down to the ground during the 200, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit there, right? <laughs> right. You know, seriously, when you guys get knocked down in a race, you, you don't really just feel like getting back up and keep running. Well, in the 440 in 1923, Eric Liddell gets pushed down on the first turn, and instead of sulking, instead of complaining, he gets back up, and on the very last turn, he passed everybody. 
The man who fell gets back up, takes off running. If this sounds anything familiar, there's a movie called Chariots of Fire, which is about that race and about Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell gets shoved down and gets back up and takes off running and still somehow finishes the race because he knew what his eyes were set on. What was it? Winning. It was set on the goal. He knew that his goal was to get not just to that point, but his, his goal was to beat every single person out of the person. It didn't matter if he got knocked down. Well, the coolest thing about Eric Liddell was shortly after that race, he comes back to his own, own country, and he's real popular. He was already a famous runner, but now because he's won that race, he is like legend, right? And so he gets, he gets qualified. He qualifies for the Olympics, but he decides, I'm not going to run my favorite race. I'm not going to run the 100 or the 200. I'm going to run the 400, only because that race is not on Sunday. He pretty much had the Chick-fil-A model in his mind. He was a Christian. And he thought, I, will, I refuse to run on the day that the Lord has made. I'm not going to run on that day. And so he didn't run in the Olympics. People were upset about it, but he ran. He got the bronze in one. He got the gold in the other. When he won the gold, he won by five meters in the 400. He got like 47 seconds. Yeah, wow. It was awesome. After that, Eric Liddell became a missionary from, from the U.K. and went over to China where he spent the rest of his life in China as a missionary. It's really cool. But think about that. The dude is on a race, a short race for that fact, comes around just the first turn, just at the beginning, goes down on the ground. And the majority of us, when we're, whether it's a sport or whatever it is, when we get knocked down, we stay down a lot. We do. When things come flying at us, when trials come, we kind of sulk a little bit. I know that's my, I go into a little shell. I go into a little shell and I become moody when things start going really bad for me. And you can tell when I get moody because I just get... There's nothing there. There's nothing. But that's our, that's our routine sometimes. That's, that's our natural reaction. When we get these trials that we face, when we get knocked down, instead of getting back up and continually running, you athletes, soccer players, what do you do when you get pushed down from the rep by another player? What do you look at the ref and say? Come on! Oh, my gosh. I went to the Williamstown boys and girls soccer games the other night. I cannot count how many times I heard the words, Come on, sir! Over and over and over again. And guess what? What's the game still doing? It's still going on. I'm like, stop worrying about the ref. That's my, just if you take anything away from the night, just stop worrying about referees and just play the game. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, track, I don't know if they have, track, have refs in track or volleyball, whatever. Just play the game. Finish the game and try to win, right? Just go with that. But over and over again, we get knocked down, we stay down, we refuse to go forward. What Paul says here are three different things. I love the verse when he says this. Not that, I'm already, not, that I'm already, not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect. He says, I am trying to be perfect, but I'm not perfect yet. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's referring back to the day, you all know the story of Saul, hopefully. On the way, on the way to Damascus, he meets Jesus. He sees a vision. He sees Jesus himself. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Or excuse me, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his life has radically changed, and he presses on. Out of that moment, after his experience with Jesus, he becomes an ultimate missionary for Jesus. He spreads out the gospel all the way into Asia. He says, I press on because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And starting in verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. This, this word right here. But one thing I do. Now, in this verse, he does three things. He talks about the past, the future, and the present. You see this. The past, the present, and the future. The first thing he says, but one thing I do, here's the past. I forget what lies what? Forget what lies what? 
behind. The past, he looks back over his past and says, I forget what lies behind. We kind of talked about this last week, and next week we're going to talk a lot about forgetting what lies behind. He says, I, I, I forget what lies behind. I forget the things that I've done. Now, he's not saying, like, I just have this, I, I just forgot everything. I just picked up amnesia, and I'm already just forgot everything I've ever done. It's more of selective attention. You guys really should know what selective attention is because you guys show it a lot, right? He's choosing to forget the things that were hindering him. He's choosing to forget the things that were struggling. He's choosing to forget the, 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 the insults. He's choosing to forget all the things that he struggled with in his past. Because what happens when you're going forward and you're looking backwards? How far can you really go? How many of you all have license yet? How many of you have your permit? How many of you are terrified to get your permit? <laughs> I knew there's one. My dad taught me how to drive. You know where he taught me how to drive? He taught me how to drive in a cemetery over on Emerson Avenue up above Los Agaves, that cemetery up on the hill. He said to me, if anyone dies, you're already in the right place. Or he also said, you're not going to kill anybody. I'm like, Dad, that's really bad. But he, he told me how to drive. And I remember two weeks after I got my permit, I'm talking about two weeks. I've only been driving two weeks. We're in Charleston. My brother's moving from Charleston to Nashville. And he needs a box truck to move all of his stuff from Charleston to Parkersburg. So we rented a 15-foot box truck. That truck wasn't available, so they upgraded us to 17. That truck wasn't available, so they upgraded us to 21. A turkey flew through the windshield, so they gave us a 26-foot U-Haul. We filled up one-fifth of it. And my dad asked the question, who can drive this thing? Well, anybody with a license? And my dad's like, what about somebody with a permit? And he goes, yeah, sure. I'm like, Dad, don't you dare. I've only had my permit two weeks. And I'm driving from 77 on Charleston, 77 North to Parkersburg. And what's been going on since I-77 I was created? Construction, right? I get put in construction. It's midnight. My dad thought the best time for me to drive was midnight. So we're driving middle of the night through construction. Instead of going 55, I'm going 30 because I am terrified because there's concrete blocks here, there's cones here, and I'm in this giant monstrosity of a car. And my dad says, here's what I want you to do. Parents... Where do you tell your kids to look when you teach them how to drive? As far out as possible. Yeah, when I'm driving this monstrosity, he says, I want you to take your windshield wiper right here and line it up with the curb. So for two hours, I'm doing this. Shaking. And my dad's, I said, don't you dare fall asleep on me. He's like, what's wrong? I said, I am going to die, and you're going to be awake when it happens. Like, so we set, our, we set in motion this Oh, it was awful. Two hours worth of driving. I am just dying. But he said, I have all the confidence in the world in you. He said, but I want you to look out. And I remember thinking, that just made everything clear. And it was, actually became simple after that. And my dad said, now nah, you can drive this, you can drive anything. I still can't back a trailer up to save my life, but apparently I can drive everything, right? Paul is trying to say here, I want you to look out in front of you. I don't want you to look backwards. I want you to look out in front of you. So you forget what lies behind. He looks at the past and says, I forget the things in my past. I forget the, the trials in my past. The second thing, he looks to the future. He says, I strain to what lies ahead. I forget what lies behind, and I strain toward what lies where? Ahead. Just like that runner, Eric Liddell. He could have sulked. He could have, you know, cried up into a little ball. But he said, instead of looking backwards, he ran forward. He still had his eyes set on the, on the goal, and he still pursued it, and he strained. Imagine that. You imagine, seriously, 400, 440. Imagine falling, how much time takes when you fall to get back up 
and to still win is quite impressive. That's very impressive. So I forget what lies behind. I strain toward. That word strain means I'm giving every ounce of energy that I have moving forward. A lot of times in life we think we're going to get to a certain point and then it's easy. Adults, is that true? No. Everyone, some people think it's retirement. We don't have any of those in here. But some people think it's when it's retirement. It's still not easy because life has not come to a certain point and it's just easy. Most people would say it gets what? Harder. But we strain through that difficulty. We strain through that trial. We strain through the struggle. We strain forward because we look ahead. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The, the Greek word actually means to count it as joy. How many of you know how to ride a bike? How many times did you crash when you learned how to ride a bike? Yeah, you crashed a lot, but what'd you do? You got back on. My dad would hold on to the seat, and every time I fell, he put me back up and said, I got you. And he would tell me what? Look ahead. Because the word counted as joy means just like riding a bike. No matter how many times you fall, you count it as joy because you know ahead what's coming. You know that in the end, riding a bike is going to be pretty easy. Even 30 years after you haven't ridden a bike in 30 years, it's apparently as easy as riding a bike, right? I don't think that's true, personally. But it should be simple. It should be easier. You know you're going. It's the same thing in life. You strain forward to what lies ahead, knowing that in the end, there's an ultimate prize. And that's when it gets to the present. So I forget what lies behind, I strain toward what lies ahead, and I press on toward the goal. Toward the goal. And last week what we talked about, the goal that we have, the goal we have in life, the goal of this ministry was to know Jesus Christ, to be made like Christ, and to be found in Christ. That was the ultimate goal. We said it's like climbing up a mountain. That's why we have this mountain. That's why we call everything that we do now the summit. It's this idea of we want to reach that peak. We want to reach the summit because at the summit is where Jesus is. That's where he is. That's where we are being made whole. That's where we're being made complete. That's where we are being made perfect. That's where we're going. But we can't do it looking backwards. We can't do it looking around at one another. We have to keep our eyes set forward. Now, I want to turn one more place in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Corinthians were a, country, or a city in Greece. Corinth was a city in Greece. What are the Greeks known for? It's a big event that happens every few years. What did they start? The Olympics. The Greeks started the Olympics, and Paul is writing to the Greeks, and he knows these people are Olympians. These people are athletes. Starting in verse 23. It says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so that you may obtain it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as of one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under my control, lest after preaching to others I myself may be disqualified. Paul talks about in this passage a few different things. He says life is like running a race. And when you run a race, what do you, what's your goal? To win. In the Olympics, before we had these bronze medals and gold medals that people bite for some reason, I really don't understand that. Just I don't understand why you people stick a medal that's been in someone's hand, and it's kind of disgusting. It's really gross. Put some Lysol on that thing first. Back in the day, what they used to get? Anybody know? A wreath. Yeah, think about it. You get a medal or you get a wreath. What happens to that wreath after a couple days? It's dead. The guy plucks it up, forms it into a wreath, and sticks it on your head. That's what you get if you win. In a couple days, it's dead. He says, runners run with this idea of wanting to get a wreath, but that wreath is perishable. 
Paul says that we chase after something that's imperishable. It means that's something that's never going to fade away. That in the Christian life, that race, you're running for something that's eternal instead of temporary. He said, but how do you do this? He says, I do not run aimlessly. When you guys get out and run, you runners, do you have a goal where you're running? Or do you just get out and run randomly? If you're running on track, you're running around in a circle, right? Or straight. If you're running cross country, you have a starting point and an end point, right? Yeah. You don't run around just aimlessly. You don't just say, I'm just going to get out and run. It's not like Forrest Gump. I'm going to wake up one day, I just felt like running. And then you just get out and just take off running. And then all of a sudden you reach to the, you reach to the end and then, oh, I got all that way. And now I'm turn around and go back. And then you turn around and go back to the other side. And all of a sudden you just stop one day like, well, I'm kind of tired. You know, and it's just over. You don't run around just aimlessly, right? It doesn't work. And he says, I don't run around beating the air. He's talking about boxing. You all, how many of you all ever seen Rocky? Right? When he's running through Philadelphia, what's he doing while he's running? He's punching the air, right? What good is that going to do if he never makes contact with anything? When he gets into the ring, what's going to happen when he throws his first punch? He's probably going to break his hand, honestly. He's never hit anything. He's just beating the air. That's why he goes into the meat locker and starts punching giant pieces of cattle and beef, right? You don't run around just boxing, hitting nothing. He says, I go around. I don't just do this. I discipline my body and make it under my control. What Paul is talking about is a few different things here. Right before this, he says, to a Jew, I became a Jew. To be a Greek, I became a Greek. So because Paul wants, to know, wants us to know three things. First, he has a desire to be all in. Paul was all in on this mission. He was completely sold out for it. He was not going to let anything stop his pursuit. So he was all in. If he was going to meet a Greek, he was going to understand the Greek culture. If he was going to be with a Jew, he was going to understand the Jewish culture. He was trying to be all things to all people. The second thing he says, Paul had the discipline to remain all in. You guys start something, you guys have to have the discipline to finish it, right? When you guys go to soccer, you guys want to get a state championship, but you have to have the discipline to get there, right? When you guys run in track, you have to have the discipline to actually do it. You have to practice. When you guys are in band, if you want to be first chair, you have to have the discipline to practice and get to that point, right? Paul says, I have the desire to be all in. I have the discipline to remain all in. I'm going I'm to go all out for this mission, and I'm going to do everything I can to discipline myself so I can do this mission. And the third thing that Paul had was the goal to keep going. He had the goal to keep going. So he had the desire to be all in, the discipline to remain all in, and the goal to keep going. Because this life that we live, this idea of this knowing Christ, being found in Christ, being made like Christ, is an ultimate journey that we're going to be on the rest of our lives. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you're going to be on this journey. And you're going somewhere, and Paul's trying to tell us that we have to go upward to know who Jesus is. We have to go upward. What's, what's behind you, let it stay behind you. What's ahead of you, let that be your focus. Let that be your goal. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame, you see at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Say it louder. Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Thank you. Let that be your goal. Let that be the summit. Let that be where you're going. Let that be the ultimate purpose of your life. That that's who you're trying to pursue. I have a quote there on the top of your, on your, top of your paper from one of my favorite writers. It says, the man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. You pursue a lot of different things in life. It might be a relationship. 
You might pursue a status. You might, you might pursue an education. You might pursue a family. You might pursue a lot of different things. You might, pursue, you might pursue spotlight. You might pursue attention. But every single one of those things are rubbish, as Paul just said, in the surpassing worth of knowing who Jesus Christ is. Because in the end of the day, that's all that's really going to add up. That's all that's going to count. Next week, we're going to spend more time focusing on, on what lies behind. I'm going to challenge you guys this week to think about this question. You guys, hopefully in your small group, you talked about what excites you about 2018, 2019. Hopefully you did. You look at 2018, 19, this new school year that you guys are now in, you look to what's ahead of you, and you say, what excites me about this coming year? And I also, I also ask you guys to think about what scares you this coming year. Some of you, might that, that might be going into high school, might be going to middle school, might be going to a new school. But the one question I didn't throw on there, is there anything that you want to forget that you want to leave behind as you start this journey going forward. So this week, I want you to think about that, because next week we're going to do something with that. If there's something that needs to be left behind, leave it behind. If there's something you need to forget, forget it. If there's something that you need to drop, drop it. If there's a weight or something that entangles you or hinders you, we need to let that go. Because going upwards and going forwards, you can't be dragged down by the things that are pulling you down in life.